or the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. Today's episode is brought to you by Stan Lee Premium Western Forage. And now, here is Deborah Neiman. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I am joined by Aaron Link of EB Ranch in Wisconsin, who also happens to be one of the founders and second vice president of the San Clemente Island Goat Breeders Association. And we're going to talk about this fascinating breed of goats, which is unfortunately in danger of extinction. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Great. I'm so excited that we're going to get to talk about these goats. Me too. Um, that is such a small number. I think of the fact that we've had like over 650 goats born on our farm and there's only a thousand San Clemente Island goats out there. And um, that, so for me, it's like, oh my goodness, that is really not a great situation for that breed. Right. And I think a thousand is maybe even on the higher end of the estimate. We might be between 800 and a thousand right now too. So yeah, it's, it was shocking <laughs> to, yeah. to realize that. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about the history of your farm and how you got involved in goats and then specifically this particular breed. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Western rural Wisconsin and I couldn't wait to move away, and I did, and I actually moved back um, about mm, 10 years ago to my same little hometown, like all my parents and family are within a 10 mile radius, it's pretty, pretty great. And so my partner and I decided to um, start kind of the homesteading lifestyle, and we had about 16 acres um, with a barn and a small house, and I have been weirdly obsessed with goats since I was a teenager. I grew up <laughs> around cows. Yeah, I was. A, I thought goats were amazing, <laughs> and I couldn't have them. Like my parents were like, "No way! There's you go over to your uncle's and help him milk the cows. We're not getting anything." And um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's fun. And, and so there was actually a book by Tom Robbins, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. While it has nothing really to do with goats, um, there is a scene in there where there is an all-cowgirl goat ranch. And I was like, oh my gosh, a goat ranch. That sounds so cool. And that stuck with me to, to my adult phase. And so about a year after moving to our little place, I got um, a good little group of mixed dairy goats. Um, the seller was really helpful. I could always call him with questions. And so I had like newbie and newbie mixes. And after dealing with goats for the first time, um, I started looking into more breeds. And this really um, was interested in like heritage breed, livestock and poultry period. And so um, after about two years, um, I looked into the Livestock Conservancy website and was curious about goat breeds to see if there were heritage breeds I could, you know, start raising. And uh, that's where I came across the San Clemente Island goats and realized that this was uh, a breed that, and at that time it was 2013. And um, at that point, I think there was only about 450 in the population. 
and wow. um, yeah, yeah, I was I was <laughs> stunned. I was stunned that there could be livestock that were endangered or going extinct. I forgot what what the rate of extinction is for for livestock, but it's pretty high worldwide. And so I went on Craigslist <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, let's see if I can find some on Craigslist. And strangely <laughs> enough, there was, there was a group for sale in uh, the Rochester, Minnesota area. Um, and that was it. Every, everybody else that re, like bred these goats were on the coast. They were, they were states and states away. So I um, jumped on that and got into my car and picked up picked up some San Clemente Island goats. I, I think I believe I bought three or four and brought them back home. So that was my first, first step into San Clemente Island goats. Wow. That is amazing that you found them on Craigslist. I would never have expected that. No, I was, I was shocked and I was like, this has to be fate kind of thing. I, I couldn't believe it. So I was glad I jumped to the, uh, jumped to the opportunity to do that. So yeah, exactly. So I know I always thought of San Clemente Island goats as being a meat goat. So one of the things that really caught my eye was when you said that you milk your goats and sell goat milk soap to promote the breed and to help educate people about them. Where did you get the idea to start milking this, these, these goats? After I got that initial little group of these San Clemente Island goats, I then I kind of put the the cart in front of the horse, but I was like, well, why did I get these goats? Like, really, why? And um, with there being such a small population at first, I, you know, that the population needs to grow and I didn't have a lot of goats. So goat meat was out of the question at that point in time. And the goats are pretty milkable. And, I, and to me, I was like, well, I want to promote a heritage breed. I want to actually be active and, and help educate people about these goats and heritage breed across the board. And so I was just racking my brain about what kind of product could I get from these goats that I could promote. And that's where the whole soap idea came to light was this like it's not only would it be a nice product that's very usable but I can really I really take advantage of the label to like talk about the goat talk about individual goats on the farm and promote them and I thought that was the best way to like start off with with um promoting these goats is that goat milk so um and that's where that's where that the whole idea came from I was a little bit always hemming and hung about making soap because so many people do, but um, I just dove in and started making some batches and then started selling and then started creating a website and selling retail and it all snowballed. So that was, that was great. So how much milk do you get from one of your goats on average? From my, what, from my herd that I have now and my records they can vary a lot with milk production and a really important thing to know. And this is not a negative thing either because we can work around it. But a lot of these, a lot of the San Clemente Island goats tend to have extra teats or fishtail teats. And oh. yeah, it's very interesting. And so while I, I have goats, San Clemente Island goats that have very normal udders and one teat per side. It's pretty common to have wacky, wacky teats. But I actually did a YouTube video on how you can easily hand milk 
a San Clemente goat with extra teats. It's, it's fine. But it really, um, I guess getting, getting all the way back to that amount question is that I'm getting up to about four pounds a day with two, two milkings a day from some of my goats and only maybe two pounds a day. Um, so they, they really vary a lot in size and, and milk given as well. Um, cause the, the one female I'm milking that does give four pounds, she's on the bigger side. And some of these little goats, like I have 40 pound mature San Clemente Island goats. So that that's where I'm at right now. And I know that other people are working on the milking aspects or the dairy aspects of these goats and trying to improve on that. Um, it's a little all over the place. And I, I kind of feel like they might have a good fit in with like, um, like a homesteading kind of situation where like maybe you're just two people and you don't need a, a ton of goat milk and that smaller quantity might be suitable. Right. Now you mentioned earlier that you did have some mixed breed dairy goats a number of years ago before you got the San Clemente goats. So you have some experience milking other breeds. How do the teats compare like in length um, and orifice size and, and the udder in terms of like milkability and stuff like that compared to dairy goats? Yeah, one of, one of the fun things that I have going for me and my body is that I have really, really small hands. So I have a hard time comparing, I guess. But with my Nubians, I mean, it's easy. They're, they have huge teats to say, like, n- not to mince words. And my partner was able to milk my Nubian goats really easily, too. He has much bigger hands versus now with the San Clemente Island goats, like the one really good milker I have, she's fine. Like the teats are fine. The links are fine. The udder's fine. It has a good attachment where some of them have very small little teats. And I want to say it's almost like when I first tried in my ignorance to try and milk, I think it was a pygmy goat that I had, which was impossible. Um, so some of them have some very small teats that might make it hard for a hand milking. I do know that some breeders, um, use different ways of milking. I forgot what what that is, where it's just kind of like a hand pump for milking. And they say that works really well, um, even for the extra teeth. So every every San Clemente Island goat seems to be pretty unique with with the udder and teeth system. Um, And it's just going to take a lot more record keeping of breeding to see if we can work on utter improvement if that's a goal that some breeders want to have. We don't want to obviously like if if double teats aren't an issue, you know, for nursing and the the goats are healthy. I think double teats is just kind of part of what the San Clemente Island goats are as well. And I don't, I don't, I think it's a good discussion among breeders right now too. Is just like good breeding like we don't want to breed out really good things in these goats while trying to maybe improve on the milking aspect of them yeah i think that's the challenge that you have is that when you have a gene pool of that's so small you know do you really want to say oh well she's got an extra teat so we're going to butcher her (laughs) 
Right, right. And that that is not the case. That's not a reason for calling at all right now with the San Clemente goats. Um, I guess the, the basic reasons for calling any goat would be like reproductive issues or some very like bad um, structural issues. So, Right. So for about how long um, do you, how many months do you milk your goats? Yeah, I, for me personally versus other breeders, that's going to be different. Um, the, I kind of have a short window of time that I personally milk in the summertime. Um, I have my own farm and my own business and I rotate all the animals daily. And I also work another farm job. I work at a CSA farm. And so I am burnt out at the end of summer and I tend to stop milking. Like the kids will be born in mid or late April. I'll start kind of milking um, a couple weeks after the kids are born, this, you know, stealing a little bit and then I'll wean eventually. But I tend to wrap up and dry up, um, you know, early November. It's cold here. I don't have heated areas to milk in. Um, but other breeders will will keep milking for a good, you know, the full 10 months. Um, but I haven't heard of anybody kind of having that extending lactation um, without breeding. And that's what that's what I found with San, the San Clemente goats is that they do dry up pretty quickly. So that's maybe something else to be worked on is longer lactation cycles or more strong lactation cycles, I guess. Right. Yeah. So it would be, uh, this goat would be a better option for people who just want a little milk as a bonus rather than, you know, I got a family to feed and I want to produce all of our own milk. Absolutely. And, and again, there might be goats that might provide more milk and that's a, you know, this talking to other breeders out there that are focusing on that. I know that some people are looking at like the butterfat content and I wish I would have written this down, but they have a high butterfat content. And so there's some people looking at San Clemente goats in that commercial aspect of producing some really good cheeses. Um, and so there, there's all these little kind of floating things up there. I, I don't know where, where they'll fit into the commercial world exactly, but there, there's potential as well. We just, we just need more, more goats and more um, breeders and record keepers. So it really surprised me when you said that you have a mature doe that's 40 pounds, because that's really small. Yeah. Like, I don't even breed my Nigerian dwarf does until they're 40 pounds. Um, so, but it sounds like maybe there's like a really big variance in terms of adult weight in the goats. How, how big do they get? So that little goat is Maga, who's adorable, <laughs> but um, a lot of my does here are I would say in that 75 to 85 pound range up to 100 pounds. Uh -huh. um, I actually hope to be bringing in some stock from some breeders from the East Coast where they have much bigger goats. And so their average does are 100 pounds and their average bucks are like 160. Where my mature bucks that I have here range between like 75 to 100 pounds. Um, and some people really want to keep that smaller aspect of them. 
and there's a some I guess you know as breeding happens more and more variations pop out with these goats so yeah like 40 to 160 pounds is a huge range for for these goats but that's that seems to be kind of the norm with breeders around the states right now time for us to take a quick break and thank our sponsor for this episode, Stanley Premium Western Forage. If you've been listening for a while, you know how much I love their alfalfa pellets and hay pellets, but we also use another product that they make, which is called Horse Fresh, and we use that whenever we clean out the stalls. Horse Fresh has one ingredient, and that is zeolite. Zeolite is an all-natural mineral which absorbs moisture and helps to eliminate ammonia, and you know that's really important in the barn, especially in winter when uh, there's not a lot of airflow in there. And since zeolite is just a mineral, it is perfectly safe for your compost pile. And now let's get back to Aaron. You have a CSA. Um, that's one of the ways that you sell your meat. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you find your customers? So with any goat breeding, you're going to end up having extra boys, which I did. And um, I started, I was just like, oh great, now I have a surplus of boys I can start selling for meat shares. And so part of it is, you know, being active in the community and promoting yourself in Western Wisconsin. Um, Goat meat, I mean, goat meat is growing across the nation and there's some really great, goat grazers around me that are that have goat meat farms and so it's just promoting I started promoting goat meat I didn't have you know I just had a couple animals as whole shares for people and it was friends that initially you know bought a whole goat from me and then um going to CSA fairs and promoting goat meat and then I last year I sold at a couple retail spots um and it is this like really, you know, it's goat meat ultimately and it's pastured, but it's also San Clemente Island goat meat. And so part of the the angle too of selling San Clemente Island goat meat is this is this stating like finding that purpose for a heritage or rare breed livestock animal is really important. And the meat tastes great as well. Um and I think people were just really happy to like support a small farm and a breed like that and this, you know, this enjoying something that's locally produced. And people are pretty, um, pretty shocked, I guess, to find like the goat meat that I've raised anyways so far. This tastes a lot like a lean beef. And I actually don't um, castrate any males. I just keep a all the boys together intact just in case um one of the boys mature into like a really good breeding animal that maybe I didn't see those characteristics when they were younger um so I take the boys in to be butchered when they're intact and I people absolutely love the meat they this um yeah I get a I get sold out every year so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And how old are yeah. they when you take them in to get butchered? I have a range of ages I'm experimenting with. Um, right now, for full maturity on a San Clemente goat, it takes a good three years. Um, but I have been I have taken some bucks in at three years. 
um, some at two years, and then some under that year year um, old age. And they all seem to have taste and kind of like texture and everything. They they seem the same. So it's this, it's me doing a lot of experimenting right now to see if it's worth it to keep raising them longer for a bigger carcass weight, or if it's this better to get them in younger when they're smaller. So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about the breed and the San Clemente Island Goat Breeders Association, um, which you're one of the founders of. And um, so first, just tell us a little bit about um, the history of the breed. Like, where does the name come from? One of my, the, the first vice president had this written up for me. So thank you, Laurel. First off, like there is information floating around out there online that um, is older information. And I think a big part of having a breed association is getting everybody on the same page in terms of information and education. But um, I'll just kind of read off um, the really quick history of the San Clemente Island goats and where they came from. So San Clemente Island is located 68 miles west off the coast of San Diego, California. San Clemente Island goats were first introduced to the island in 1875 by Salvador Ramirez, who claimed to have brought them over from the Santa Catalina Island. For the next 100 years, they were left to run on the island as they please. And so from some information too, there's been DNA testing with these San Clemente Island goats, and they have a very unique DNA. Um, and they're still kind of researching that and seeing exactly where these goats came from. Like if you did DNA testing on like a Nubian, you know where it where it originated from. Um, so these San Clemente Island goats have a very unique DNA. <clears throat> and then there's a lot of history in between that, but in a nutshell, I think it was in 79 or 80, um, the Navy decided to um, start, well, it was before that too, but people started eradicating the goats off the island as they were an invasive species. And so it was actually in 79, the Fund for Animals stepped in to stop the extermination of the goats and to bring them off the island alive and to be adopted out. Um, and that's where the founding um, breeding stock came from was those animals taking off the island um, in 79. When did you decide to start the um, Goat Breeders Association? And um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, the San Clemente Island Goat Breeders Association um, had been uh, a work in progress for some years. So it's a lot of talk between between breeders in the United States. And it was last year that myself, um, Sarah Howell and Laurel Sherry started putting things together more like we should we should be more cohesive. Let's look into starting a breed association. And you know, our idea came from this book called Managing Breeds for a Secure Future, which is um, written by uh, Philip Swindenberg, Allison Martin, and Jeanette uh, Berenger. 
some of them or all of them are part of the livestock conservancy <clears throat> and we realize how important it is to form a breed association and be cohesive and have a pool of voices you know unified as one voice about certain aspects of these goats and part of my own personal push towards this was when I started raising these San Clemente goats in 2013 there wasn't a person or a group to go to with questions and there was a lot of scattered and differing um, data or opinions out there that you know for a while I didn't know if I had San Clemente Island goats because I had ones that weren't the atypical brown and black color and so it freaked me out that I paid <laughs> I paid money for animals that were supposed to be a, a particular breed and some people were telling me that these other colors were unacceptable. Um, and so just, just getting that cohesiveness together and being a support network for other breeders. And I think goats are this becoming more popular over time. So more people are hearing about San Clemente Island goats. It's great for people who have a resource or a collective voice to come to with questions and for help. And there is so much help to be given out there from um, marketing plans to breeding plans to hooking people up with breeders, even like working with zoos and maybe trying to get some, um, some goats from Canada. There's some people that have San Clemente goats in Canada, but they're kind of stuck up there and we can't move them across the border right now. Even, even working on artificial, like AI options for people instead of hauling bucks across across the states to other breeders. So all of these parts are really important for forming a breed association. Yeah, it's great that you guys are working on that now. So do you have a registry now where people can register their goats? So you can register your goats with the International Goat Sheep Camelid Registry, um, Peggy Boone is now the owner of this registry and they this is the one registry where you can um, get your San Clemente Island goats registered. There, um, there are a number of San Clemente goats out there that aren't registered and they're in the process of being, you know, maybe being registered or being accounted for. There's still a lot of work to be done to like, you know, find breeders and kind of get everybody on the same page and keeping track of these goats as well. Well, this was a fascinating conversation. It was really fun to get to know more about this breed. I know it is so tempting to me. I like, I just want all the goats. <laughs> and this morning I was telling my husband all about the San Clemente Island goats and he's like, honey, we have enough goats. So if any, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if anybody's out there thinking, oh, I want these goats too, I, I understand that feeling. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today, telling us more about your farm and your goat milk soap and the meat and the new breed association and everything. It's been really wonderful having you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for having me on here. And, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions people might have in the future. So thank you so much. Yeah, where can people find you? And um, also the San Clemente Island Goat Breeders Association. Yeah, my website is ebranchllc.com. 
And I think if you this Google search uh, San Clemente Island Goat Breeders Association, that will pop you right up um, to the website. There's also a Breeders Association Facebook group um, and just a discussion group. And there's also um, the farm uh, Willow Valley that has a foundation group as well that um, will primarily focus on um, history and what they're doing on their own farm too. And that's it for today. Thanks again to Stanley Premium Western Forage for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to join us next week when we are going to be talking to someone in Vermont who makes goat milk gelato. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss that episode. And to find the show notes, just check out ForTheLoveOfGoats.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. See you again soon. Bye.